Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. Megan has been on me to take a look at some other sci-fi series. So she has prevailed and we will take up the 11 episodes, I think, of Firefly. It's a little bit different than uh, anything we've done before. Certainly not MCU, Star Trek, Star Wars, or any of those classic science fiction shows. But we're going to give it a shot. It is uh, Western in Space. So I'm really excited to do this series with her. So today, episode 13, Heart of Gold. This episode begins with Nadia, an old friend of Anara's and a former companion who runs an unlicensed bordello on a barren planet. The bordello is frequently patronized by Rance Burgess, a tyrannical ruler who keeps the community excessively poor so that he can govern it as a cowboy. Burgess, whose wife is infertile, believes a pregnant prostitute named Petaline is carrying his child. With Burgess promising to take the child once it is born, Nandy contacts Anara and asks her if the Serenity crew can help defend her establishment. Mal agrees, but upon arrival realizes that Burgess's cavalry is too powerful to fight and advises Nandy and her working girls to leave the planet immediately. Nandy refuses to lose her establishment to Burgess and her resolve impressive Mal enough to encourage the crew to stay and fight Burgess. Nandy and Mal sleep together and Petaline's child is born. Although Inera outwardly is pleased that Mal has put his intimacy issues aside, secretly she is heartbroken that her attraction is unrequited. With the help of the crew, Burgess's forces are defeated and Petaline kills Burgess in an execution. But during the battle, Nandy is killed. The episode ends with Anara confessing to Mal she wants to leave the Serenity. And now, Megan Doherty joins us. Megan, Heart of Gold, what are your thoughts? This is another one of my favorite episodes. I really like this one. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, so lots of really good reveals. Some great sort of secondary or minor characters have been brought in. We get to know a little bit more about the lore of the universe, which I think is really cool how things are organized. And all in all, I think it's a really good time that ends with a bang up shootout. It sure did end with a bang up shootout. So an interesting, very dramatic start. The kind of classic Western the bully rich white guy trying to run everything and then the call for help and then the white knights coming over the hill perhaps not so white <laughs> in this one but pretty good setup from a western trope perspective but what did you think about the dialogue early on where Anara explains to Mal the difference in what Anara does and what Nandy and her friends do. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting because that's that's part of the lore that I was talking about that, that I found so fascinating. So it's like in this version of the universe, there is like strictly regulated, highly regarded sex work. But then there's still, say, more casual or unofficial sex work that happens that's looked down on much more poorly that it is revealed later on even men can be involved in the running and management of, which apparently is not the case with the Order of Companions. So there was a couple of things I wanted to ask you about, Megan. The first was 
this very interesting class structure among sex workers. And what interested me, not was so much Mal and his thoughts, but it was Anara who called Nandi and her workers whores. And that's a word that Mal used derisively against Anara, which I thought upset her from time to time. She at least commented on it. And here she's calling another group of sex workers, as men and women, both, both whores. I really had trouble wrapping my head around that, both from a class structure and then an inner dynamic between Anara, Nandi, and Mal. What were your thoughts around that? It was really interesting. It was an interesting choice for her to use the word, although perhaps that is how unregulated sex work is considered by the majority of companions. And it makes me wonder if more broadly in this universe, just the word, you know, doesn't have quite the pejorative impact for most people. It obviously does for Mal, but maybe it is more descriptive than pejorative in just in this universe, where it was more like, how do you make your money? I make it by whoring. (laughs) That's what it made me think a little bit. And I think Inara was maybe just trying to get a little bit of a a dig in or speak everybody else's language. And then the initial meeting between Mal and Burgess, it was the let's throw our cojones on the table and see how big they are. (laughs) But, and the showing off, of course, of the gun, which I'm sure was some analogy or allegory to something else. Was that an appropriate, did we really need to see all of that? Did that really push the story forward or tell us any more about those two characters? Other than Burgess was the ultimate jerk. I think he, he was a jerk from the whole, I'm going to get my baby out of that whorehouse thing. But yeah, I think what we needed to see was Mal learning what kind of man Burgess was. So it was like, I think it was fairly well established. Burgess is a terrible guy. Andy said it, he demonstrated it by actions, but I think Mal was sizing him up for a fight. And he became a lot more threatening. At least I thought it became a lot more threatening as an antagonist when Mal was like, we need to get out of here. We should all just run. So I thought that was the reason for it. I thought that was really well done. And I liked how he put him in his place too, by turning the compliment back to his wife. I enjoyed the actual physical construction of the whorehouse because they were using sustainable technology to help generate power. How cool were those solar shields? (laughs) Even if it was tinfoil, it sure looked like solar shields to me. So that was pretty cool. What did you think? Did it surprise you at all that Nanda and her girls and boys, I should say, wanted to stay and fight? Was that completely consistent with what you would have expected from them? I think it's consistent within the character they built for Nandi, who is awesome. She always trained as a companion, was not comfortable with the lifestyle and the restrictions, went out into the edge of space, and she's just like, no, I'm going to build up a business, taking my knowledge of how this trade can be practiced in more ethical and safe ways, presumably. And she's going to take it over and make it a better working environment, hopefully. And whatever one's thoughts on it, the oldest profession is there for a reason. Always been desired by people, and there have always been people providing it. So I know I think her going out and building this independently, I loved it. And I understand why she doesn't want to be beat. She doesn't want to lose to a guy like that. And yeah, I I liked it. I think Nandi sees herself as someone who can be a leader of a community. That's what she was trained for. And I think she believes she shouldn't have to sacrifice that just because she left the companion order. I guess I've, I felt like it was once again a Western trope that uh, this is my little part of heaven and they're not burning me out. They're not scaring me out. I might die here, but that's what I'm going to do. So I kind of like that. And on the hooker with a heart of gold too thing, that's not, uh, not uncommon. Yep. Yep. So we probably should have mentioned if our audience is not aware that Jane was very enthusiastic about this assignment. Very. Almost 
adorably so. He was like a puppy. <laughs> he was so excited. <laughs> so he is fully invested in this. I was a little surprised at Kaylee, though, because she was pining. There's no one here for me. I thought those boys were there for her. Did I misread them? I think it was indetermined whether or not they serviced multiple genders. I think she even asked the question, do they serve girl folk at all? So I don't know. And I thought that was interesting. They used it when Nandy asked Mel, are you sly? What a great term for gay. I'm stealing that. <laughs> I like that. That was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, but no, I thought they're probably, presumably maybe they're more for male clientele, but nice if they could be an equal opportunity brothel. I think, that would well, I be think cool. you can have Kaylee gender fluid. So cute the whole time. Fluidity, um, yeah. even outside the alliance. So then we get to, of course, the love scene between Mal and Mandy. And once again, very predictable, but I thought done very well. And of course, there's the action and then there's the reaction. Reaction is the love scene, them sleeping together, spending the night together. And then the reaction is Anara. Did her first, she takes a very logical, almost Spockian approach. It's very good that you did this. You have done a good thing, my son. But then we see <laughs> her just... dig in too, which I liked. You know, I'm a little appalled at her taste. <laughs> but she is just distraught in a way we have not seen in this entire series. Yeah. How did you see all of that? Yeah, I really noticed that as well. She played it so cool, and then she cried. And I was trying to like, what... It didn't quite seem like she was crying because she had lost something. She never had it, but it really made me feel like she she was regretting the decisions that she'd made that brought her to this point, but not questioning them. So I think the, yeah, I think she, it, yeah, I wrote down that she cried like someone who's denying herself something for reasons she doesn't fully understand anymore. And I think that was it exactly. I think she didn't, when it was just her and Mal spatting at each other, nothing about her decisions to engage or not engage were really real. But now they are, and she has seen him with someone else and not with her. And I think she is very sad about that. For reasons unknown, I wish, like, we just don't know anything about her backstory. Although we learned how highly she was regarded at, at Sinan at the school. But something happened to Inara, and we have no idea what it is. But I think it's that something that happened that has made her decide she can't have a serious romantic attachment, especially with someone like Mal. And I think she feels really bad about that when she sees him with her friend. So I want to go back to book. And what he, I just loved when he said, I have some carpenter skills. <laughs> Been following a carpenter for some time. <laughs> some time. There was, I can't remember the name of a movie, of the movie, but Max Vincidel played the devil. And at one point he says, I knew the carpenter. He died poorly. <laughs> oh, I always get a kick out of that. But he lent himself and lent his skills to some of the defense. Part of it was constructing defensive positions. And then in the battle, he actually engaged in defense, active defense, but with a non-lethal weapon, which I also thought I really appreciated. There's obviously a lot going on in his background. We don't know about it. We unfortunately will never know unless the Firefly novel comes out and explains all. I'm sure there's some great fan fiction in this area. There's a, there's uh, actually, there's a lot of extended universe content. There's novels, there's comic books. There's some really cool fan-made movies. Yeah. So the battle scene, and we've seen the laser. We know that is coming, obviously. 
But some very good defenses are organized. And Jane, once again, shows his worth as a just a warrior, where he takes out a guy who's got a machine gun. He knocks down several. But the women are firing. All the men are mm-hmm. firing. It is a huge battle scene that's just great. What were your thoughts about the battle? Oh, I loved it. I always like the... Uh, um... A siege scene, basically. So you've got the outside attackers. I loved the scene when they were planning it. When when they when Mal and company decided, okay, we are actually going to stay and we'll help with this. And everyone starts talking about how they can contribute. Just warms warms my heart. The battle itself really fun. And I like it. Yeah, Jane is great. I love the running gag with him and his pile of guns. Jane and his pile of guns, really good. But of course, all of it was basically for not because of the traitor. And I'd love to get your opinion. What did you think of the staff member whose name I cannot remember who was betraying her team and Nandy to the bad guy to rants to the other side. What were your thoughts on it? Yes, they had a woman who lets him in. I think her name is Chari or Cherry. Cherry and yeah. she has betrayed them to Burgess previously. And now she actually lets Burgess in to try to take the baby, which he does. And then he is stopped by Anara. And he is confronted by Nandy and he shoots and kills Nandy and he gets away, but they do get the baby back. This leads to a absolutely enraged Mal, as mad as we have ever seen him in this series. And he goes after him, he catches him. I thought he was going to literally beat him to death in the fight scene I, I, it with, his, like he with his hands. Yeah. yeah. With his bare hands because he didn't have a gun with him. And he brings him back. So he is now in front of Petaline and her baby. You want to pick it up from there? And that was one of my favorite. But it's, it's a great climax to this episode because Petaline holding her baby, this man who is, we don't know what the relationship looked like during the times that they were professionally engaged, let's say. But he was terrible to her, at least afterwards, and after she found out she was pregnant. And in a lot of movies and a lot of narratives, there's a big thing about how forgiveness is the best way and how you've got to forgive the people who are bad for you and turn the other cheek and move on. And she's just, nope, I'm going to shoot you and I'm never going to think about you again. And I love that. It just, it was so final, so complete. And I feel so justified. So I liked that they didn't do any hang wringing about for- forgiveness or letting him build a new place in the community. It's just, she made the decision and carried it out. And I thought that was fantastic. And she did. She executed him in the head while he was on his knees in a very stark manner. Then there were originally 30 of the bandits from Burgess's bandits. Four were alive, left alive, and they let them go. But there were significant casualties inside the house, including Nandy. I was a little confused because they had a lovely funeral scene where they were singing Amazing Grace, and I would have assumed the preacher would have spoken, but I didn't see him do that. And I think the last scene we saw was over the music, a serenity leaving. Yeah, I guess in a, in a community continues. without a preacher, you'd get used to developing and holding your own ritual if you don't have one. Because the some of the women who worked in the house had said, it's been a month since we've had a shepherd come by and we don't really get any preaching. So I guess, yeah, they're used to handling it. Maybe it was more meaningful for them to, because Nanny built this community. She built it for them and with them, and maybe they wanted to be in charge of saying goodbye. But then right at the very end is when Inara tells Mal that she's leaving. So let's talk about that. Was it because she realized she'd made 
the mistake of her life? Was it because she realized Mal wasn't interested in her? Was it because she saw, actually saw something Nandy had created and she articulated that of a community and a family and she wanted that? She didn't feel like she had that on the serenity. What did you think of her decision to leave or did she have to leave after Mal had slept with Nandy? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that Mal sleeping with Nandy would be enough to turn Inara away if she didn't have other internal motivations for it. As she said herself, when you're not puritanical about sex, you're not puritanical about sex. It, like it doesn't have to be a whole thing. <laughs> but I think that what I think the experience made her remember that if she stayed, she's at risk of either running into or coming across whatever it was she was running from. I think she was reminded of her decision and is feeling that she now cannot do what she has to do if she stays there. So I think, I think she realized how much she cared about Mal that she hadn't before. And that's the reason she had to leave, not because of Mal doing anything with anyone else, but because of her own reasons for it. That was my take. What did you think of it? At first I thought it was really just a sort of peakish reaction to his sleeping with Nandy. Then I thought, no, I think she's realized that she has lost him and lost, not him, the opportunity to be with him. But then when she started talking about the family, I thought maybe there's, she saw something in Nandy and the community she created that she is, for whatever reason, she doesn't feel like she has that on serenity. And she, she wants that. I was thinking about women I knew that I realized didn't matter what I felt or thought, this was never going to happen. And mm. there's not many, but a couple. And I gracefully bowed out largely because I didn't want to get hurt anymore. Yeah. So maybe that was it. I don't know. But it, it really set up an interesting end to the episode. It does. Yeah. I think if at any point Anara had been to Mal, okay, hey, let's do this. I think he'd have come like that before Nandy, after Nandy. No, I think she, she felt the family on Serenity. And I think she felt for whatever reason, she could not have that in her life. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. So it was a raucously fun episode. Lots <laughs> of action. Oh, how funny was River during the birth? Just staring <laughs> at what was happening. <laughs> we left the whole birth scene out. <laughs> Uh, out. Actually, there was one moment in the birth scene that I really liked. This is every now and then this show comes out with such a good line. And uh, when Pedaline is laboring and feeling the pain and Inara says to her, this is just a moment in time. Step aside and let it happen. Like, that's really good. That is a really good. This is a terrible moment statement. I repeat it to myself a lot. When they asked the doc how many babies he delivered, I thought he was going to say something like 13 simulated or something like that. This will be the first. This will be the first. And of course, everyone's just like, me too. <laughs> yeah. But it was a ton of fun. Lots of shoot 'em up lots of interpersonal relationships, lots of reveals. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. It was a good one. Do you want to take us home? Let's go. So thank you everyone for joining us for this episode where we're discussing Fireflies. This is episode 13, Hearts of Gold. Next time we've got the final episode in this series, Objects in Space. Thanks everyone. I'm Megan Doherty. And I'm Tom Fox. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this initial episode of Firefly. And I hope you'll join Megan and I for the entire season of Firefly episodes. Yes, 14 episodes over the next seven weeks. 
Thanks again for listening. We look forward to visiting with you next time.